know, I think that as 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 churches around America right now, there's we we need to focus on the glory of God, and and we we need to focus on the power of the Holy Spirit and what He's doing, rather than what the enemy is doing to divide us. We need to focus on what Jesus has done for us. Um, I want everybody to hold their little finger up, your index finger. Hold, hold up your index finger. Now, take a look at the end of that finger. Okay, just, just take a look at your little finger. I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Ray, what in the world are you doing? Now, I want you to look at that finger and say, there's power in my finger. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here it is. It's found in Luke chapter 13. I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 20. Luke chapter 11, verse 20. Yes, Luke chapter 11, verse 20. Listen to what the scripture says. This is Jesus. He just cast out a demon. And he says, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, do you know that there's more power? Now, Jesus is not just talking about your finger but he's really referring to your body. But there's power. Jesus is using the symbol of a finger to illustrate how powerful you are in something that you might think doesn't have that much significance. You are significant. Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God. In other words, what he's talking about is he can point and he can, there's authority. And now some of you may say, well, well, that's talking about Jesus. No, Jesus said in John 14 that he that believeth in me, greater works. Everyone say greater works. So Jesus is wanting you to understand that there is power. And it's not just in your, it's an illustration, it's a metaphor, but he's trying to tell you. You have the power to rule over principalities and powers. You, you have power in your finger. There's power over your life. There's power. But first, I have to renew my mind. Now, I've, I've got a little bit of a challenge tonight. I've got to finish this tonight. <laughs> Praise God. So by the finger of God, I'm going to finish this tonight. I'm not trying to rush through this because what we've been dealing with is we're dealing with pulling down strongholds. We've been dealing with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. One of the things that I've tried to communicate through the past couple of months is getting us to realize that we've got to look beyond the surface of a problem. My wife and I, we're talking to a woman yesterday who does not belong to our church, and I say that 
because usually when I say, when I use an illustration, people start doing this because I know how you think. I wonder who he's talking about because we're such a small church. But this is a woman that does not attend our church. Carol and I were talking to this individual and uh, she had some serious issues in her life. But one of the things that is so important is when you're working with people, what I'm talking about here tonight, some of us may not feel very qualified in working in these areas because most of us today, when we deal with mental health, when we deal with problems or relational issues in lives, there's a tendency to try to work on problems and deal with issues where we were wrestling against flesh and blood. We're dealing with people, and we, we get into the blame game. We get into dealing with issues and our differences, and, and, and we don't realize that there are things that are behind the surface. There's things that are underneath that are captivating and holding people hostage to what they do and how they think. So we were asking this woman who needed help, and uh, one of the things, she doesn't know us. And uh, I'm just going to let you know for the sake of time and for the sake of speed, she doesn't trust men, doesn't trust pastors. Uh, she's, she's in a very, very needy place, and she's in a lot of denial. And when I would, she, she, she had enough salt and pepper, what I call salt and pepper. She's been around church experiences and been in enough churches to know enough of the Bible. But here's the thing that she is lacking. How many of you know you can get a little bit of salt and pepper from Jesus and have an experience? A lot of people think that because they, they feel God's presence or they experience something from God, like a healing, or maybe you experience a deliverance or you experience something, but they don't have a walk with God. How many of you know there's a difference between having an experience with God and having a walk with God? I'm, I'm walking with him. Bible says those who are led by the Spirit, they're the sons. To be led, it means that you're no longer in charge of your life. In other words, it's, it's not uncommon and it's not unnatural for you to talk about the Lord. When I'm dealing with people, I'll ask them this question. Does the subject of God or the Lord ever come up in your relationship? Uh, well, on Saturday night, we ask ourselves if we're going to go to church tomorrow. And it's, I'll, I'll ask, is that about it? Is, is that the... So you can go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and is there any prayer... Is, is there any, does anybody open the Bible in your home or in your own personal life? I don't, I don't say that to, to say, uh, well, you know, well, Pastor Ray, I, I, I'm just a busy guy. By the way, how many of you know that you can have a walk with God without, you don't have to have a prayer closet. You can talk to God on 635. 
You can, uh, you can pray to God in your shower. Uh, you don't have to be... Now, there is the corporate gathering of prayer, and we need to come together. There's a reason for corporate prayer. The, in the book of Acts, it says, when they were all in one place, everyone say one place, in one accord, suddenly. How many of you like some things to suddenly happen in your life? But it's getting people together. Now, you may not think like this, I, but, but as a pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit of a filter because I get a lot of things filtered through me as a pastor. But I'll have people say this. Let's say you're a pastor right for some reason. I can get up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday. But when Sunday comes around, I don't know why. I'm, I'm extra tired. I'm worn out. All of a sudden, I get sick, or I'm weak, or, or me and my husband, we, we, we get in a fight on Sunday morning or Saturday, and so we, we're not going to church because we're such hypocrites. And I'll, I'll pose this question. Have you ever thought that possibly there's a demonic assault against you? How many of you know that the devil wants you weak? He wants you powerless. He wants you distracted. He wants you to feel unworthy. He doesn't want you to think you're going to get anything. Do you know why a lot of people don't get anything out of church? Because they come with no expectation. Faith equals expectation. You know, I just, I'm, I'm a new grandfather. Fourth time around. And I'll tell you one thing about a woman who's pregnant. Guess what she talks about? She, and as it comes closer to the pregnancy or the labor, she is talking, 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 anticipating, planning, putting the room together, this, and the baby's coming, and we know it's a girl, and, and I mean, she's just, we just can't wait till it gets here. You know what? My wife and I, when, when our boys were young, Carol did this. We would start talking about, guess what we're going to do in two days? What's in two days? Sunday. We'd start on Friday. So what? Well, guess what? We're going to go to the house of God. We're going to meet the presence of God. God's going to speak to you. See, sometimes, one of the reasons why it's a lot of hard for us to get going is we don't anticipate, we don't build faith in our kids. You, you got us. You know, you know the one thing, if you go to any high school, you know what they do? Especially during sports season. Friday. What's, what's Friday night? The football game. I'll never forget. I used to play football. You know what? We'd wear our jerseys on Thursdays. And we'd wear our jerseys. We were anticipating. We'd have pep rallies because we were getting ready for the, for the game. And the whole purpose of the pep... Now, I'm not suggesting that the church is supposed to be some big pep rally. Although at home, it wouldn't be a bad idea if mom and dad are excited about the things of God. It can actually begin to excite your kids. And let them know that we're, we're not going to hear Pastor Ray. 
We're going here to become equipped because God's going to use you in a powerful way. Lift up your finger again. My finger. If I cast out demons by the finger of God, God wants you to realize how powerful you are. I want my kids to know. I want my grandkids to know they're powerful. And it's not about them. It's not about their strength. It's not about what they possess. It's what God's word has said to them through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so one of the things that when Carol and I was talking to this young lady yesterday, and uh, we begin, she gave us a lot of what we call cliche answers. Oh, I know God's my strength. And so one of the things that I knew in just kind of breaking the ice, how many of you know when you get to know somebody and where you're going to minister healing, you got to break, you got to do some icebreakers. And one of the things people love to do, and it's good to do this, is get them to talk about themselves. If all you do is talk about you and your kids and your grandkids, and guess what I'm doing and my job, guess what? You've lost them. Turn it around and say, how are you doing? Now, most people, you know what they'll say? Fine. I'm doing fine. Do you, do you know that that's sometimes a defense mechanism? How are you doing? Fine. I, and so when I get the defense mechanism up, I'll, I'll say this. Tell me a little bit about what interests you. Oh, Everything. And what they're really trying to do is they're just trying to, they're feeling me out. But then I'll go a little deeper. There's three things I'll talk about that are usually icebreakers. Family. Tell me about your, tell me about what it was like when you were being raised. That's usually a hot button. Well, my dad or my mom, they we had a great family or we had a bad family or things weren't there, things weren't going well. Oh, tell me, what are your goals? What are things you like to do? People love to share those kind of things with you. Oh, guess what I'm doing, man? This, this is what I'm doing. And it begins to open up. Uh, another thing uh, is a hot button is trust. What do you, what do you trust? What do you, what do you believe in? What do you believe? Oh, I believe in God. Those are typical, just cliche. Oh, I believe in God. I I believe God is loving. God is good. But what what they're really doing is they're wearing this mask because what 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 what's going on is they they don't know if they can really open up to you or not. And by the way, I'm going to just say this, and I, I pray you'll really hear me on this. Don't be afraid when people put their walls up. Still love them anyway. Be a good listener. And let them know that you are honored to be with them in their presence. My wife and I, when we were with this individual yesterday, the one thing, now, we're among adults, but this is the first thing. I said, um, because we're dealing with a person that was a little older, single woman, and she says, uh, have you been married and this and that? And this was her, which was a shock. She says, men just see me as a vagina. Okay. Well, that's. And I said, well, 
that tells me that you've had some probably negative experiences with men. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay? But when she said that, I could tell it was she was glad to get it out, and she was watching for our expression. And so we had a chance to let her know, you're more than a sex object. You're special. You're a gift. You were planned before the foundations of the world. You are, you're an amazing individual. You're a gift. She'd never heard that before. Isn't that right, Carol? When we were dealing with this individual. And so here's a, here's a person. All of a sudden, when the dam broke, the venom, the anger began to come out. Now, she said a lot of things that was wrong, scripturally wrong. A lot of bad attitude, a lot of hate, a lot of anger, a lot of stuff. We did not correct her. When you're working with healing and deliverance ministry, it's not about correcting people. It, you, listen, you, you need to get the Bible in your head, woman. You need a renewing of your mind. You, do you realize that you're believing a lie? We didn't even go there. We just sat there and let her talk and became her friend. We heard later from another individual. She says, wow, I really like that pastor. Now, 80 to 90% of the things that she was saying was unscriptural. She's got a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, and she has been, she's made some seriously bad choices in her life. And she's hurting. But what we did let her know was there's hope. God can heal anyone. And he wants to heal you. And we're here for you. You need a support system? We let her know that. And she began to realize, wow, you'd support me? Yeah. Carol and I, we're going to make a little bit of an investment into helping her with some needs. How many of you, it's not enough just to give people scripture. James says that if faith does not have works, then your faith is dead. Somebody is hurting and you're not willing to help them. That doesn't mean we're going to pay all of our bills or we're not going to do, because there's some issues and there's some things in her thinking that are really way out there. I'm talking about out of alignment. But this is a first visit. We're not there to correct her world and get her saved and get her a new life and get into discipleship. That's not the objective. The problem in many churches today is we want to get them down to the church, get them into class, get them to raise her hand, change her clothes, stop their lifestyle, and become part of the church so we can say, guess who I, one to the Lord, there's my trophy over there. First of all, no one is a trophy. And when you start treating people like they're your trophy, then you're not, you don't care about people. Because nobody's here to treat anybody like some trophy. Because once you start thinking like that, 
you're missing the point. Sometimes you might be with a person one time, five times, ten times, twenty times, and you may not feel like you're getting anywhere with them. But just because you're listening to them. Everyone say listen. I want you to notice on your notes tonight, I'm going to move through this. Boy, I can, I can get yakking on this thing. The objective is to expel demons to close their avenues. Notice on the very top of your page, the avenues of access to the victim and to enable them to keep these avenues closed in the future. It is effective to work as a team. Now I'm talking, we are not talking about an after church altar call here. We're talking about a deliverance ministry where someone is needing to understand the stages and the process of knowing how to be set free. Do you know anybody can be set free in a second? God can set you free in one second simply through the confession of your faith in Jesus. But it's not enough to get free. God wants you to stay free. Okay? And one of the things that we as a church, and I'm not talking about us only, we know how to get people saved and come down to the altar, and then they go right back into their lifestyle. They go back in their sin. They go right back into their traps. They go back to their friends. See, one of the things, that's why in the early church in Acts chapter 2, it says those who were added to the church, notice what it says. And this is a, this is a big challenge here, but it says they met daily in the temple. When Christians got, became Christians in the book of Acts, it became a lifestyle. It wasn't just a Sunday thing. It was a lifestyle. They had jobs. Now, I know today we've got a lot of things pulling at us. And it's, it's not sinful things. There's nothing wrong with taking your kid to soccer practice and learning music and going to the glee club and being a cheerleader and, and uh, going to the lake. And ha- We all need vacation. We need time off. We need to be part of our kids growing up and those things. But I want us to realize that we are living in a culture right now where the devil, even though we take vacations and time off, the devil is not taking time off. He studies you, he's working on you, and his number one objective is to divide you, destroy you, pull you down, and he wants to hide inside of your pain. A lot of people medicate their pain by giving themselves into relationships, by pouring themselves into materialism, by trying to find purpose on a job. By the way, these are all good things. You've got to have a job. It's good to have a purpose. It's good to set goals. It's great to have a relationship. But if you use those things because you're lonely, you're hurting, you're isolated, and then you place expectations on people, and by God, you better make me happy. Because if you don't make me happy, I'm out of here. I'm divorcing you. You know, one of the things I do with people in premarriage counseling, I don't even like to use the word counseling. I call it premarriage testing. Because you know one of the things? Everybody's different. And guess what's going to happen? What happens in courtship does not happen in marriage. 
You might like Burger King, and you like you might like skateboarding, and you might like Ford pickups together. And so, wow, we're really got a lot in common. We like to climb mountains, and we like to go on cruises. We must be meant for each other. No, guess what? That's all going to go away. The real test, I tell people this, have you had a good fight lately? What are you talking about? Have you had a good fight? By the way, how many of you know Paul says to fight the good fight? There's a bad fight and a good fight. Let me tell you what a good fight is. A good fight is when you can agree to disagree and still honor each other. Honey, would you come up here? I'm going to use my wife here. Now, I I, I said this on Sunday. I won't embarrass you. This is totally on me. This is just me. I love this woman, but I don't always like her. I don't always like her. 39 years of marriage, I love her, but I don't always like her. She didn't always like me. Now, you may say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? I thought I, I thought you I thought your best friend should be your wife. She is my best friend, but I don't always like my best friend. See, I am free to disagree because love is deeper than liking. Liking someone means I like you because we agree on everything. I like you because you know what we like to do the same thing. We never have any arguments at all. I like you because you scratch my back, I scratch your back. I like you because you see it my way. You do you do what I want you to do. I like you. You're my friend. I like you. But you know what? Carol doesn't always like what I, I like to do. She doesn't like the same colors. She doesn't like the same cars. She doesn't like some things, and I don't like some things she doesn't like. But I love her. See, love goes deeper than liking because liking only deals on the emotional and feeling level. I feel like liking you. Guess what? In a committed relationship, if it doesn't go below the emotions and feelings, then your marriage won't last. Neither will your relationship. That's why you need to be free to say, you know what? I don't like what you like but I love you and I will honor you I will always have her back I will never speak evil behind her because see love is about sacrifice where friendship doesn't always mean uh, sacrifice now Jesus said I no longer call you servants but friends because friends share secrets how many of you know that Jesus doesn't always like what you do, but he still loves you. Okay? He loves you. He doesn't always like what you do, but he loves you. Because his love isn't based on how, how you do. Because if that was the case, we'd all be under the law. We'd all be dead and we'd be damned. But he loves us more than what we are in what we do because it goes deeper than life. And you know what else it does? It sets me free 
to express my opinion and her to express. I don't control her. And she does not control me. Because we're not in bondage to try to please each other and say things. Now, obviously, I don't want to intentionally hurt her because love won't do that. But love is patient, love is kind, love is temperate. But I don't know. I want her to know that I am free to love and be committed to her, even though I don't like everything about her and what she she likes. She's free to like what she wants to like. And she lets me free. My wife does not like racquetball. I love racquetball. Okay? She likes things that she likes. And that's okay. I don't have to be, okay, honey, I'll learn sewing. She loves shopping. She just told me. Now, because I love her, I will go shopping. But I let her know I don't like shopping. And I'm free to express that without being a slave. Okay? Now, I'm not here to try to talk to you about relationships. Let's give my wife an awesome hand. By the way, she's, she is my best friend. But friendship does not mean I'm held hostage in a way that I cannot share things. When you're dealing with people, there's going to be people you don't like. And it's okay not to like. I wouldn't go, come up and say, D- Dwight, I don't like you, but I love you. That, that's just bad taste. Okay. So let's don't start something here in the church. My pastor Ray said I had to love you, but I sure don't like you. That's not a good thing to say. So let's, let's don't go down that road. What I'm trying to say is in healing and deliverance and growing in God, you need to, this is where maturity comes in. I'm going to allow things that I don't like about you to help me grow in ways that Jesus wants me to grow in. God never said that the church was going to be all about people that are going to like you. You know know how many people today are looking for churches? I'm looking for a church where people like me. They agree with me. They do everything I want. And they better meet my needs. And they they better not look at me bad. Oh, they better not look at me bad or I'm out of here. That's called a baby in diapers. Now, how many of you know babies in diapers are important? You've got to carry babies in diapers. They can't feed themselves. They can't talk. They can't walk. They can't talk. They have to be carried. There's a time and a place for everybody to be a baby. You poop. You stink. You mess. You burp. And you still need to be carried. But there comes a time where how many parents want your babies to grow up? I know babies that are 40, 50, 60, 70 years of age today. Been in the church all their life. They're still babies. Irresponsible, selfish, self-centered, completely selfish. They never grew up. And they don't want to grow up. Now, what do you do about that? Do you kick them out of the church, Pastor? No, 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 no. You don't treat people like that. That's God's problem. You 
still love them anyway. Okay? That's God's word. See, love does not force or control change on people. Love does not do that. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, Pastor Ray, what if you're an employer having an employee and the guy's just really dropping the ball? Do you have the right to fire him? Yeah, of course you do. Guy's not producing. You can still say, you know what, I really love you and the Lord, but here's your last paycheck. I've had to fire some people when I used to be an employer. I had to fire my best friend one time. He was my best friend. He was an insulation contractor, and I was insulating a 7,000-square-foot house, building a 7,000, and I told him the dates that we had to have it because I had electricians coming in, we had sheetrock coming in, and this guy decided to show up to work at 10 o'clock and leave at 2 in the afternoon. He used to call that banker's hours. Well, I had to tell Tom, good friend of mine, my wife knows who he is, I said, Tom, it was like on the fourth or fifth day, I said, you're not, you're not going to get this done. And I said, i got to let you go, buddy. Hey, we've been friends. I know. And I still love you. But i got to let you go. In fact, I've got to finish what you're not finishing. Because I have to have this job done by this time. I'd let him go. Now, he didn't talk to me for a while. By the way, when you know who you are in Christ, and you really come to understand the love of God, you're not afraid to deal with things in a healthy way. You don't, you could, you still, you can still honor people even though you may have to fire them or have to confront them. Now I know what I'm saying here tonight is not going to go well with people who've had a mindset that, wait a minute, I thought the church was love and you just accept everybody and you just, you know. Uh, Let me tell you something. That's not Bible. We love and we do accept everybody, by the way. We accept you. But growing in God, growing in God at times will involve, and again, I don't have the right to speak into your life until I earn that right. I have to earn it. That's why I don't correct people. Not everybody. Because I haven't earned their trust. My pastor speaks into my life. I have elders that speak into my life. Leaders speak into my life. People speak into my life. I still, I've been pastoring for 28 years. I still want people to speak into my life. I never want to be isolated or independent. Never. Once you get isolated and you're insulated, you Set yourself up for deception. You have to have strong support system around you. Everybody does. The day you say, I don't need anybody talking to me. I'm smart enough. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. Nobody needs talking to my life. You're already deceived. You're in deep trouble over your head. A man, the Bible says that a wise man becomes wiser. David even put it this way. He said, let the righteous smite me. Not literally, it doesn't mean to, well, he uses that term metaphorically, but he's not talking about hitting somebody. He's talking about let the righteous confront or deal with me in a way that it might feel like a slap in the face. 
purpose is to get my attention. Wow. Thank God for Pastor Iverson who spoke into my life. It hit me like a brick, but my George, I didn't know. I was going the wrong way. That's love. And if somebody can't speak into your life, and no one has ever spoken into your life, and you're on your own, you are right exactly where the devil wants you to be. Alone. Being alone means there's no family, no connection, no relationships. No one speaks to them. I'm smart enough. See, that's, that's, a, that's a trap in itself. I got my education. I got my degree. I got enough money. I got my house. I got my place. got good friends. I don't need anybody. That's the way our culture thinks. Paul says that there's power in weakness. There's grace in weakness. In fact, God says in 1 Corinthians, it says, God has chosen the weak and the foolish things of the world to found the wisdom of men. God will use things that go contrary to the way you think to help you grow in him. In the kingdom of God, it's this way. How many of you want to go up? You've got to first learn to go down. For me to grow in unity with my wife, when I first married my wife, Carol, the Lord began to show me, blew me away because I really thought I had more in common with her than I thought I did when I was courting. When I married the girl, I realized how much I didn't have in common with her. And you guess what I did? I saw her as a threat. Then the threat made me angry. And then I, went, then I wanted to push her away. It's called pride. When you're full of pride, you stop talking. You punish each other with silence. She said, Ray, is there something wrong? No. Then you start lying. Is there a problem? No. No, there's no, no, there's no problem. I just don't want to talk about it. It's called pride. There's a problem, Ray. No, 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 there's no problem. I just don't want to talk to you. Now, I know none of you guys have ever gone through that. But it's pride. And the Bible says, what goes before a fall? pride. And so finally the Lord said, Ray, do you want the blessing on your marriage? I said, yes, Lord, I want the blessing. He says, I want you to talk to your wife. I don't want to talk to her, Lord. I really don't want to talk to her. She, in fact, she is the last woman on this planet I want to talk to. I actually told her that. And um, the Lord said, if you want your prayers to be heard, First Peter 3, 8. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wife. Honoring them is the weaker vessel. And it says to honor them. Part of honoring them is listening. So I had to go to Carol. I said, Carol, what is on your heart? She says, you don't listen. You're not, we're not talking. And that was a, that was a wake-up call. And then I begin, then the, the devil begin to say, I married the wrong woman. I married the wrong person. I'm in the wrong church because they don't listen to me. Boy, was I buying into a lie. Do you know what? Every man 
or woman of God in the Bible has gone through seasons where they had to discover and confront themselves to see how weak or wrong they are before God took them to a new place of usefulness and greatness and blessing. If you see, it's, it's like a stair step. God will allow you to confront. By the way, the way he confronts you is by bringing people into your life that you thought were your friends. But as the relationship grows deeper, all of a sudden they start bringing things up. And you can see it as a threat or you can see it as a way to grow. But it's your choice. The sad thing about it is a lot of people, we live in a culture today that runs. And I said this before, they run from church, they run from marriage, they run from job, they run from friends, they run here, they run, they escape, they fly. I'm done with you. I'm out of here. I'm out of this job. I'm out of this church. I'm out of I'm running away from because you hurt me. You hurt me. Guess what? You get to go all the way around the mountain. You can find a new place, a new face. You can find a new relationship. But you're going to go through it all over again because the problem is not them. It's in you. It can't be. Yeah, it's in here. It's called selfishness. By the way, the, the, the fastest way to begin to grow in the Lord is to get dead to yourself. When you're dead to yourself, you're alive in Christ, things don't bother you like they used to. Dead people, dead people don't respond to threats. But if you're still alive and, you know what, I'm, I'm just sensitive. I'm just, I'm just worried about what people are thinking. I just know what they're thinking. I know what they're thinking. <laughs> that, that, that person is not healthy. They're not whole. Now, what do we do? Well, I'm glad you asked, because now we're going to go to the notes. Praise God. We're going to move through, through this really quick. Number one, first of all, I said this, keys to the tools in praying and ministering deliverance. First of all, it is so important. If you're going to minister deliverance, there needs to be a measure of health in your own life. You need to be somewhat healthy. You need to be under authority. If you're not under authority, then you're not protected. The purpose of authority was not to dictate your life. The purpose of authority is for covering. Everyone say covering. I need authority. Why? Because I, even though Pastor Ray can be the pastor, Pastor Ray can still be wrong. I need pastors in my life still. And I will never go, ever, ever. I will never be in a place where I'm without authority. Guess what that that also produces? When my wife and I were first married and we started having children, you know, it's easy to stand up and say, I'm the head of the house. I'm the man of God here. And I start passing out the orders and, Jared, David, Aaron, you're going to do this. One of the things that Carol and I did a lot of is we talked about our pastor. We talked about how we were under authority. The reason why we let our children know the importance of being under authority is so that our kids would catch a vision. 
if dad is under authority and mom's under authority, then when they start talking to us, chances are they're going to listen to your authority. But when they see you alone and you're isolated and there's no covering in your life and you're barking out orders, they wonder, Dad, why should I listen to you? You're not under any authority. You're all by yourself. You clock out the orders. That's why we always spoke of the church. I wanted my sons to know I was under authority. How many of you believe it's easier to be under someone's authority when you know they're under authority? How many have ever seen somebody in authority and wonder, man, that guy's a Adolf Hitler, man. He just does what he wants. He calls the shots when he wants. He does what he wants. There's nobody stopping him. Anybody want to join that kind of a church? Who wants to submit to that authority? You know what? One of the, one of the first things I tell young women and young men, I'll say, you want to get married to somebody? Ask them, whose authority are they submitted to? Why is that? Well, I'm not submitted to anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm submitted to God. No. Being submitted to God means you're submitted under men. That was God's plan. Now, you're not to submit to everybody, but God will place the solitary, it says, in families. You're to submit to a pastor. You're to submit to those in civil authority. The Bible says in Romans 13, to honor authority, submit to authority, obey authority. Well, what if, the, what if the authority's wrong or bad or evil? Well, God's not asking you to be put under an abusive situation, but it does say to obey those that have the rule over you. And it's not just for you. It's to break generational curses. That's why you need authority. Let me tell you something. When I cast out demons, what am I doing? I'm exercising authority. But you know what? If demons see me unsubmitted to authority, I am powerless. Do you know why we baptize people in Jesus' name? What, is, what does it mean to be baptized in Jesus' name? My wife took my name. Now, I know this is not accepted today in our culture, but when my wife took my name, it represents a recognition of authority. It doesn't demean her. It doesn't make her any less of an individual. But what it does do is it becomes a role model for children and our kids begin to see the importance of the union of coming into authority. It doesn't mean that the man's smarter, wiser, better, bigger, or anything. Not at all. My wife takes, she's a Galligan, but she's also a Johnson. That's her maiden name. She's not submitted to me because I'm smarter, better, bigger. It's, an, it's not a male, gender, masculine thing. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. God has set in marriage a model for the purpose of protecting your children and helping them to understand the need for authority in their life. That's why I need authority. 
You can't even begin to move in deliverance and healing ministry unless you're under authority. Are you hearing what I'm saying on this? If, if you're not under authority, you are a sitting duck for Satan to mock you. He will mock you like the seven sons of Sceva. I need authority. I run to authority. If I didn't have a pastor right now, I would be searching for a pastor that I trust to build a relationship. I would say, I want to come into accountability. I need accountability. Do you know why I need accountability? For your sake. Guess what? Let's say that some of you guys out there have a problem with Pastor Ray. Wouldn't it be nice to know that we can go over Pastor Ray? Because Pastor Ray could be leading you over a ditch. By the way, let me just say this. Don't believe every word I say. Well, Pastor Ray, are you? Now, why would you say that? Because I'm human. I hope that you go home and study what I say. Don't just believe everything. Well, Pastor, Pastor Ray said it. No. Don't do that. Are you putting yourself down? No, I'm not putting myself down. I'm helping you to... This is why why Waco, 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 Texas happened. Because a guy set himself up. We don't need the Bible. Jesus speaks only to me. You guys are all belong... By the way, I've dissolved all the marriages right now, and all you women are my wives now. How did people fall into that trap? Because no one understood the truth of authority. Anybody who begins to say, you obey me because I'm in charge, you better run quick. Now, I understand you honor authority, even in the home. There's nothing wrong. The Bible says, entreat a man in authority as a father to honor them, treat them, doesn't say to rebel, but 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 I need to need to honor authority. Wow, my time is going. Number one, give the individual priority. And I talked about that last week. Number one, priority simply means time, focus on their testimony, learn to listen, engage, encourage them. And here's two words I want to give you: be quiet and listen to people. Just just be quiet and just let them talk. Let them be wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to let you be wrong. Now you may say, well, Pastor Ray, how can, that's not scriptural. Uh, yes, it is. Jesus let a lot of people be wrong because you cannot give people truth until they know you care. And you know, knowing someone cares doesn't mean that you're correcting them with truth. There's so many churches divided today because what you're, you're out of Scripture. I'm here to correct you. Now, there is a place and a time to, to bring correction and truth, but that's when you've earned it. I haven't earned everyone's trust. So I don't try to correct them. I may know, you know what, I, I, I may use the Bible like an M16 and I could blaster people like, well, praise God, I give you the truth. You're dead, but praise God, I got the truth across tonight, Jesus. Carol, praise God, I gave them the word. 
To hell if they don't take it. Go to hell if you want. I gave you the truth. Remember what Paul says? I can have faith to move mountains, have all knowledge. I can do this, I can do that, but if I have no love, I am nothing. Being right is not always right. You've got to show patience. You've got to let people express themselves. They need to feel safe with you. They don't feel safe, then you don't have a right to speak in their life. Now, Pastor, do we ever get to the point where we can give them the truth? Yeah. But first, chill. Just chill out on the timing. You're, now, I, I'm not speaking here in relationship to employers, employees, and all that. I understand there's times and you better be to work on time, and I'm all for being on work on time. I'm talking about healing and deliverance here tonight. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Um, big difference. Priority. I'm going to give them priority. Number two. Number two. If a spirit manifests, and I'm talking about there is some kind of rebellion or something comes out, the Bible says, Mark 1.25, make them be quiet. Remember this. You're talking to the spirit. You're not embarrassing and talking to the person. There's been times where I've said, okay, I'm going to speak to the spirit that's right now rejecting and resisting. Make sure that you're communicating that to them. Sometimes there can be a spirit that can manifest through rebellion. They can go into trance. They can convulse. They can have some rebellion. Uh, some people don't like to deal, it, deal with this. If you don't want to deal with it, don't. Don't feel the pressure to do it. But I want you to know, remember the finger? You have power. And you can say, I think it would be good maybe for us to not go down this road right now. If you feel like you're in a sensitive subject with someone, and maybe, maybe you're dealing with a woman who was raped, and all of a sudden she gets angry and she starts tearing men down, it might not be a good idea to go down that road and talk about it. Let's, let's, let's start talking about your new identity and what God can do for you right now. Now, there's a, there's a time and a place, but we don't want people to get just all worked up. We're talking about healing here. Patience, perseverance, empowerment, and listening is important when working with people like this. Number three, establish, maintain good communication with the person. Here's one of the best ways, and I've said it. Be humble. Don't go in there... Uh, I'm, I'm here to let you know tonight all the scriptures I know about your problem tonight. I know you've got a problem with your temper and you've got an anger problem. So let's turn to Proverbs time right now. Let me show you all the scriptures on anger and how to, uh, we're not to be angry and sin not going. Don't, don't let the sun go down in your... Shut up. People really don't really want you to use a tank to blast them with scripture. Establish communication. Let them know, well, I'm here to hear you. I, I want to just listen to where you're at. What you're doing is you're tearing down barriers and walls that are holding them captive and hostage to where they're at. 
Are you following what I'm saying? Oh, my time's gone already, but I'm going to... Give me five or ten more minutes. Number four, ask the person, this is important, ask the person if he or she really wants freedom. I've, I've dealt with people with sexual issues, drug issues, alcoholic issues, and they say, you know what, I, I got problems, but I got an alcoholic problem. And it's an important question. Do you want to be free? You need, they need to give you an answer. If they say, well, yeah, I'm going to say this because it's true. A lot of people want a quick fix, but they don't want freedom. Do you really want to be free? Do you really want to grow up? And sometimes, and if they say, I guess I really don't. You know what? I still honor them. I still, I, thank you for your honesty. Don't say, well, I'll tell you what, boy, hell's waiting for you, buddy. Well, you're, 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 you're going down the wrong... You, you are. Oh, well, I, I don't know what's ahead for you. Don't give them that answer. Just say, thank you for your honesty. Pray over them and even bless them. The Bible says to bless your enemies. Bless them, but don't move in deliverance. They need to confess, I want to be free. You need to hear that. It's an important question. Do you want to be free? Amen. Are you, are you hearing me on that? Yes, Critical. Don't, don't assume that just because somebody comes to your deliverance class, they want to be free. Sometimes people are just checking you out and they just want to hear what it's all about. They may not want to be free. There, there's a lot of strongholds that people have bought into and, and, and they're hung up on and they're, they're not ready to be free. My earrings are coming off. Forgive me. No, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. My I, microphone's giving me a problem. Number five, make sure the person has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. If not, lead them in the prayer of salvation. If you can't, bless them, but do not try deliverance. What does it mean that Jesus Christ is Lord? Let me tell you what it's not. It doesn't mean you start going to church. It doesn't mean you turn over a new leaf. It doesn't mean that Okay, I'm going to give up smoking, drinking, pot, alcohol, porn, sex, drugs, stop break up with my boyfriend. No, that's not salvation. Salvation means that you're putting your faith and you're surrendering your life to Jesus. You're letting him do the changing. You're simply just surrendering your life to him. And you follow him. Jesus never made an altar call. He said, follow me. Am I following Christ? Following him is not hard. Following him means this, is that I'm feeding on the word, I'm renewing my mind, I'm growing in the grace of God, I'm growing in a positive outlook, I'm believing his word, I'm being a blessing to other people. That's one of the ways you know you're saved. There's fruit. Everyone say fruit. Fruit's determined by the root. If there's no root in the person, guess what? You're not going to see the fruit. All of a sudden, Jesus said the two great commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. When somebody never talks about God, they don't ever talk about loving Jesus and what Jesus is saying and what he's doing. Sometimes I wonder, do they know the Lord? But they say, you know, guess what? I got saved, man. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to church. Guess what? There's more people going to church than going to hell. 
is it a, it's a self-righteous decision. It's knowing Jesus that makes you saved. It's knowing Him and Him knowing you. You know, I, I, I can say, honey, come up here. No, no. I can say, she's my girlfriend. Praise God. I could even have a wedding date. And then guess what? Go out and start dating other women. Now, how many here would say, that's not a very good marriage? Okay? See, salvation means there's no other. I want to live with this woman. We're walking together. We're living together. We're making decisions. I'm honoring her. Salvation is like a marriage. It's not a Sunday thing. I'm not putting on my religious face. And I'll, well, well I, I, think, I think it's time to go to church. It's like telling your wife, well, we're married, aren't we? Is it time to be married? Okay, let's, let's go on a date tonight. We're, we're married tonight, but the rest of the week I do what I want, you do what you want. It's not a marriage. What you are, thank you, honey, you're basically living an independent, you're just two people living together, but not developing common ground. I'm growing in union and oneness with her. I include her in my decisions. There's no secrets in our relationship. I don't hold things out from her. Now, I still don't always like her, but I'm married to her. I love her. Are you following what I'm saying here? See, I want you to have the freedom to know. You mean I can be in love and still not like things about her? Yes, God wants you to be free from that. Because unless you are free, guess what? You'll be in bondage. I've met couples that say, you know what? I've held things in my heart against my husband for 20 years. I never could get it out. And I just can't say it because I didn't want to hurt him. And I was afraid what he might do to me. You're not free. Your relationship isn't based on love. It's based on bondage. I can't talk to him because I know he'll explode. Then you better get help. Because, see, loving is freedom to express and say, I don't like the car you picked out. Why do you like that kind of a car? By the way, we're not buying a car. Why do you like that? That's because I like Chevrolet. Well, I like Fords. Now, we have a rule in our marriage. Guess what it is? If we don't agree... We don't buy it. That's a good rule. I don't pull this on the head of the house. I want my wife to like and respect me. I never pull that. I don't, I don't do that with our leaders. I'm the pastor of the church here, man. I submit to Dw- Dwight's over part of our maintenance here in the church. I submit to this man. He's not an elder, but he's got gifts and things that I don't even have. I submit to this man. Not the pastor of the church, but it doesn't have to be. It's called honor. Paula Sage, awesome woman. I submit, I honor that woman. She's like mother in the Lord to us. Babysat our kids when they were young. I honor her. I don't always have to agree. 
Isn't that freeing just to be free from that? That's part of healing and deliverance. Okay, moving on. I know I'm really done. Number six, find all open doors. Interview the person to discover the events, the relationships that have led to this bondage. Expose where forgiveness is required and where healing, repentance, breaking the bondages are needed. Find all open doors. If there are no, no obvious places, start. Begin with parental relationships. Move to other areas. Be thorough. Do not rush. Don't stir up demons. Keep them quiet. List the spirits encountered in areas requiring forgiveness and others or repentance. Consider a curse. What is a curse? Let me tell you what a curse is. A generational curse is a way of thinking or a way of living that has been passed down from generation to generation. I remember dealing with a person one time. I was a, as a contractor, as a builder. I came into this house, and I was going to remodel their kitchen in this family was yelling profanity and anger and shouting and screaming at each other. I literally could not concentrate. I was an outsider. I was a contractor coming in to do a bid for this. I, I took the man aside. I said, you know what? I, I know you. I'm not here to intervene or counsel, but I can't even concentrate. And this is what he does. <laughs> this, this is the way we are all the time. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what I did? I gave this guy an outlandish bid, and I walked away from the job because I couldn't stand to be in the house. A generational curse is something that is passed down from generation to generation that has become normal and natural. But it's not natural, it's not normal, and it's not healthy, and it destroys I was running into a family one time. Well, we're a fifth generation divorcee. My grandfather, great grandfather, great great grandfather, we all been, we, we just accept it. I'm not here to put any condemnation on anybody who's gone through divorce. I talked to another person one time that said, man, we just, we, we just, we just got gutter mouth, man. We just profanity all the time. Grandpa cussed, dad cussed, and I cussed. That's called a generational curse. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. See, deliverance, now again, we're not coming in there to say, straighten your mouth up, stop divorcing, stop hating each other. Now that, that's not the way you work with people. God will expose things to you, first of all, to pray for them. Secondly, to build a bridge. Everyone say build a bridge. Deliverance means I'm going to build a bridge of trust. You've got to earn the right to speak into their life. Guess what? They'll actually ask you, you know, I notice that you're really kind of an honoring person, you don't. Cuss, you don't swear, you honor your spouse. How, 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 how do you do that? Why, why do you do that? Well, because we have the Lord in our life. I don't say, well, because I'm better than you. No. No, I, I, just, I just found the Lord. I, I don't say, well, I, I'm not in the gutter like you are, but praise God, I'm, I'm going to heaven, you're heading to hell. No, no. No, 
you, you, you honor them. Jesus was honored. Really, really important. Okay. Um, notice down here on the bottom of your page, we need to look and investigate sexual sins of any kind, uninvited sexual relationships like molestation, rape. There's some questions. This could be some real sozo ministry here. Uh, turn to the next page. I'm already 15 minutes over. You know, I'm going to have to close here because I just can't finish this tonight. Um, are you getting anything out of this? Uh, guess what? I'll, I'll pick this up on a later date. I just can't. Uh, I just can't. Our time is way gone, and we have children waiting here, so I've got to quit. I've gone way over. But I knew that getting into this was going to be involved, and I, I thought it would be a lot farther along. I just want to say that if any of you want the answers, come to me personally. I'd be glad to give you the answers uh, to these, the rest of the fill-ins, okay, if you guys. But I, I, I need to really close because we have children waiting, and I, I need to keep it within an hour. So before I close, can I just ask anybody, does anybody have a question, any issue? Yes, Dwayne. No. Next Wednesday starts our summer schedule. We're starting June and July is our summer schedule. We do a lot of relational things. That's why I'm telling you that if, if you guys would like the rest of the answers, I'll be able to glad, be glad to give them to you. Okay? Um, just, just let me know, and I'll be glad to give them to you. It just... Um, so... Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for these amazing people tonight. Lord, I just, I ask you that you would pour your mercy. Lord, give us, give us your patience. Give us understanding. We, we live in such a broken world, a torn world. I'm asking you, Father, that you would just give us the strength to see through a new lens at people that are precious, just like that woman that Carol and I dealt with yesterday. A broken woman, but yet you love her so much. You care about her so deeply. We just conveyed to her that she's a special gift from the Lord. She's a wonderful person. Lord, you're the one who lifts our vision. You're the one who helps us to see things that we don't even see in ourselves because it's, it's not about us. It's the treasure in earthen vessels. Just ask you right now to go with us. Continue to give us strength through the week. We give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.